morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Young, lead pastor here at New Life. And it's uh, great to see so many new faces as well, um, or perhaps some old faces returning. Um, if you do happen to be nearby some people that uh, you haven't seen in a while, or maybe you've never seen, maybe you have seen and you just haven't uh, made yourself known to them, uh, do grab hold of them after service and you know say hi. Um, as you can see from the title uh, behind me, uh, we are looking at something called Respect on His Name. That is the title for this week. We're in our third week in this series, Teach Us to Pray. Teach Us to Pray, where we're looking together at the model prayer that Jesus taught us in Matthew 6. Man, I'm really uh, thankful this morning to Daniel, our presider for this month. You know, he's uh, not only presiding, but he's also the ministry director, if you didn't know, for creative team. And uh, we had a few technical difficulties in the beginning as well. It's his first week presiding. He's running back and forth, you know, fixing things. And uh, it's, a, it's a tough job. And then he has to go to work and then fix more things. So... Um, if you weren't here last week, uh, we had some takeaways from Creative Team as well. Uh, if you didn't receive one last week, you can actually still get, I believe, a small card uh, with the Lord's Prayer on it. And so it's a very useful thing. I keep mine in my little visor uh, in the car. Bora keeps hers inside of her phone case. Um, I'm sure you can find a good place to keep it so that you'll be reminded to pray in this way. Now before we get into uh, the sermon for today, why don't I read through just that uh, very short phrase in Matthew 6, 9c, which is what we'll be focusing on today. And then we'll spend a couple, of, uh, a couple of seconds just meditating on that phrase as well before I pray for us. Matthew 6, 9c, so the third part of that verse. Your name be honored as holy. So why don't you just take a couple of moments just to Meditate on that phrase, just think about what that might mean, and then I'll pray for us. Father in heaven, as we sang this morning, uh, we want to come together as new life and we want to behold you for who you are. You are the Holy One. You're the one that we look to and we recognize your holiness. So when we pray, your name be honored as holy, would you teach us indeed what that means, what it means to honor your name as holy? We pray that you will be with us this morning, Holy Spirit, that you will minister to each of our hearts. Whatever kind of week that we went through, however we're feeling this morning, whoever you are to us and whoever we are to you, would that be the truth that resides inside of our hearts? Open up our eyes now that we might be able to see you in fresh lights and guide our hearts, God, that we might get to know you. Help us, Lord, to see you as holy and to recognize you as holy and to make your name uh, be holy here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Speak through me and help us to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Um, you might have noticed when we were doing the Bible reading that we read from something called the CSB. Um, I don't know if you've had this kind of question before. Some of the questions have been coming up during listening sessions that we've had where people have been wondering, why do I use the CSB or the Christian Standard Bible? Um, I find that it strikes a really optimal balance between just being readable, just being really readable and also just a literal translation as well, something that is very accurate uh, to the original Hebrew or the Greek. Now, I love the other translations that you might be familiar with. You might actually have an ESV Bible or an NIV Bible uh, with you today. I really uh, enjoy those. I grew up with the NIV as well. Um, I personally enjoy reading a different translation of the Bible each year, and so I kind of get more familiar with uh, different translations each year, but I found that the CSB um, to be just the best balance in terms of being easy to read and being just a good translation of the original language, and that's why we're using the CSB. Um, so hopefully that clears up some of the questions. Um, I think that it's a good modern reading as well. You know, you want your Bible to be readable, and you don't want to, you know, um, get a dictionary out every time you're reading the Bible, right? Now, if you've been around churches for a little while, or even if you've heard this prayer in different media, you might have heard this prayer said a little bit differently. Um, I've always heard it as, hallowed be thy name, you know, rather than your name be honored as holy. I've always kind of grown up with, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be your name. Um, I've heard it in various songs. A lot of rappers, for some reason, really like saying that. Um, I've heard it in other translations of the Bible as well. Perhaps you grew up with the KJV or the NIV. You know, hallowed be your name. But what does this phrase exactly mean? I remember like memorizing this. You know, you grow up idolizing rappers and you kind of memorize these things and you don't really know what you're saying, you know? What does it mean to hollow something? Why do you hollow a name? And as you saw earlier, the CSP translates this phrase as your name be honored as holy. The word hallowed basically means to consecrate something or to make it holy, make something holy. So if you were to pray this prayer in your own words, it might go a little bit something like this. God, make your name as holy here as it really is. Or make your name be holy here on earth as it is in heaven. Or maybe be as real here as you truly are. What does it mean to make someone's name holy though? What does that phrase even mean? What even is the importance of a name? Have you thought about this? Like when you think about make your name holy, what's the point? What's the point of a name? Now, if you're like me and you don't have an English name and you have a very Asian sounding name, living in Western country, you can kind of uh, know already how important it is to have a name that is easily pronounceable. Um, names are pretty important today, at least for the sake of avoiding embarrassment when people pronounce it wrong. I remember at my uh, graduation for my bachelor's degree, you know, four hard years of studying, and then they say my name wrong, and I'm like, man, like, it doesn't even have a Y in the second part. Why do you pronounce the J as a Y? Um, not Carl Jung, okay. Um, but the importance of a good name goes beyond just mispronunciation. I'm sure you know this as well. 
Have you guys heard of this musical Hamilton, which is pretty big, right? It's big on Disney, it's playing in Sydney right now. And if you don't know, it's about an American politician from the 1700s, one of the founding fathers of the United States. And the opening song has this deep focus on this guy's name. And this character asks, you know, Hamilton, hey, what's your name? And then he tells him, the world's gonna know your name. And you're kind of listening to this and you're like, man, why is his name so important? You might have heard people talking about their names in different media as well. Like, I already talked about rappers, right? They always want to make sure that their name is known. And so they say, you know, my name is and such and such. Um, now, according to a Christian philosopher and writer named Dallas Willard, a name often has to do with the personal and incommunicable attributes of a character, of a person. It has to do with someone's character. A name actually communicates something about someone's character. So when we talk about someone's name, it's talking about much more than just pronunciation or what letters make up your name. It refers to character, reputation, personality, and who they are. You know, perhaps your name has a deeper meaning behind it. I found out the meaning of my name very recently, and then my parents were like, oh, I think it means that. So hopefully, your parents remember a little bit better. But to know God's name is to know some sort of essential truth about his character. So when we pray for his name to be made holy on earth, we communicate our desire for him to be known and for his name to be loved and cherished and respected. I often feel really heartbroken when I see people speak badly about God, you know, whether in media or, you know, social media, it's always social media, through coarse joking or whatever it might be. And in our secular society, in Australian culture, God's not really popular. I don't know if you've been out there, you know, in the world, you've spoken to your friends, God's not really popular. And there's sadness for me because for me, you know, as someone who knows God, I recognize that it tends to do with their ignorance about who God is. They don't know God's character. They don't know his vast and endless love. So they create some caricature or an image of God in their minds just out of the rumors that they've heard about God or maybe they've just dealt with Christians who haven't really represented God very well. The fallenness of his followers and then his name gets disrespected. But we know here in New Life, we know that God is good. He is the greatest good and for him to be known for who he is, he reveals himself as I am that I am. This is who I am. That's what we desire. We desire for everyone to know him for exactly who he is and for his name to be honored as holy, for people to know his character and his personality. He's the only one who can possibly live up to the reputation that his name brings. His character, he never lets us down. Perhaps your name means something and you feel like you don't live up to that, but God does. So we pray that all people might come to love him. This is for our good and for his glory. 
So when we sing that third song, come and behold him, we're inviting the world to come. See how holy he is. See this person, this God who lives up to his name. Now if you're here today and you don't yet know him for who he is, perhaps the prayer might become for you, oh God, your name be honored as holy in my heart as it is in heaven, rather than in this world. But when we pray that his name be made holy, how does that actually happen? You know, I like to see what exactly is going on after this. If you're perhaps in computers or engineers or whatever it might be, you might feel like, oh, I really wanna know, how does it actually happen? You know, I've got a friend, uh, Interstate, who loves his car. He's just deeply in love with his car. He once told me that one of his hobbies is just washing and detailing his car. That's his hobby. I was like, dude, you should get to know my car too. You know? And when he told me this, I looked over at his car and I was like, man, that is your hobby. And that's the car of a man who likes to wash his car. It was spotless, it's beautiful. You look, you look at it and it catches the light just right. And you might end up with LASIK or something. Like it's just so shiny and bright, right? And the next day, after talking to him about this and seeing how spotless his car is, I go to visit him at his house. And what's he doing? He's out the front of his house, washing his car again. <laughs> and I was like, man, your car's already clean. What are you doing? Like, you're just wasting water at this point. And like, you know, he's sweating everywhere, just cleaning. But what do you do when your car's already clean? What do you do when your car's already clean? You show it off. You know, you don't have to wash it again. You show people, this is my clean car. God is already holy. When we talk about make your name holy, God is already holy. The Father's name is already holy and there's no making it holier, especially from us. What are we gonna do? We're gonna get our dirty rags and try to you know, buff something out of God? It's not gonna work, right? So when we pray this prayer, we pray that his name be treated the way it should be already, the way it ought to be, as precious more desirable than anything else in this world. So we might pray, Father, let people know who you truly are. I know you. Let people know what I know. Show them what you're really like. See, when we look at the Father and we see that he is good and holy, we have to also recognize, therefore, not honoring him for who he is is bad. It doesn't make sense. Not only bad, it's a misrepresentation of the only one who should be represented perfectly. Not worshiping him in this way, not honoring him as holy, it's anti-life, it's anti-worship, and we aim to see that change here in our hearts and here on earth. Now we might think in these ways when we pray this part of the prayer. We pray that his name be magnified that all would hear his name, that it will be revealed to them the way it is in heaven. We pray that his name be honored and praised, that people would have their hearts aligned the right way when they hear his name. So how do we do it, right? Like often in life and even in Christian worship, we can kind of rush ahead 
and get to that point where we're like, all right, I'm on board. Get me some practical, ste practical steps. Get me a wiki how I really want to know what I have to do now. But just as in our salvation, properly honoring God's name as holy on this earth doesn't start with us. Can I say that right now? It doesn't start with us. We can't accomplish it apart from the Father. Remember week one of our series. The first part of this prayer has to do with you, God. Your, your, everything is your, right? The first three are your. Make your name holy. And like we saw last week when we looked at the Father, why prayer works, God has to be the one who carries out this work. That's why the prayer isn't, let me honor your name as holy. The model prayer is also not even just the communal, let us honor your name as holy, or give us the power to honor your name. It's none of these things. It's let your name. The prayer is all about the Father. So when we pray, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Another way that we can say it is you, Father, make your name be honored as holy here on earth as it is in heaven. It's your work. You do it. And Jesus teaches us this great truth that's good and right for us in prayer to ask the Father to do what only he can do. That honors his position as Father towards us. You, Father, then, magnify your character. Reveal who you are so that you're real to the people here on earth as you are in heaven. You, Father, tell people about yourself so that they would honor and praise your name. We can certainly be really glad to be a part of this process of making his name to be honored as holy. I think that's a good thing if we want to join in with our Father's work, but we cannot make it happen on our own apart from him. Only the Father can do that. Only he can display true glory that would set even our hearts ablaze and blind our eyes to look upon. Now Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer, Father, your name be honored as holy, because this is the way that he prays too. Remember, Matthew 6, this is a model prayer for us, but we get glimpses of how he prays as well. If you look at the Gospel of John, in John 17, and you'll see it on the screen here, we see three examples of the way that he praises. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. And Jesus said, I have glorified you on this earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And then he says, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. For the Father's name to be honored, that's Jesus' constant prayer all throughout his life what he lives and dies to see carried out. He loves to see his father's name honored. We see Jesus as the embodiment of this prayer in his life. Even when he hands himself over to be tortured and killed. We see Jesus' death on the cross as the great glorification of God's name. As sin and death are vanquished and the children of God are set free, what better to bring honor to God's name. And we see the triumph of his name when God raises up Jesus from the dead as the glory of God is made evident to the world through his resurrection.
for us. One of the manifest ways that we can also see the way Jesus embodies this prayer is in the way that he calls us together to the Lord's Supper. It's in the communion. The communion or the Lord's Supper is a God-ordained ceremony and it's something that we can partake in together. It comes from the final meal that Jesus shared with his disciples, which took place during the Passover before his death. In this meal, we see the way that Jesus honors his father's name by recalling the final plague on Egypt as recorded in Exodus. You can read about that in Exodus, in which the firstborns of the land died. The Israelites, however, who put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their doorposts as they were instructed to by God, they were spared. God gave the Passover to not only save the Israelites from death in Egypt, but also to point forward to the coming of the perfect spotless lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus, the true lamb who would take forever the sins of the world through his sacrifice. As Jesus came to this world, died and was resurrected, he fulfilled the Passover and he's the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of those who believe in him. And in doing this, he honors the Father's name as holy by carrying out his will here on earth. We're gonna partake in that today, the communion. What we partake in today is a God-ordained ceremony that is a, a sign and a seal of the grace that we have received from God. So we're gonna do this together. We reenact together the gospel of grace and in this, we experience a renewal of grace as well, which helps us to understand, remember, and also love what Jesus did for us. It's a clear sign that grace comes from God, just as we see in the prayer as well. And by you participating in this, you're gonna be testifying of your faith in Jesus as well. It's a confirmation as well of your continued faith in him and your devotion to God. So what we do when we take the communion together, we look back into the past to what Jesus did and we thank him for it. We're also reminded in the present day that it's God who nourishes us, who continues to keep us, just as the prayer does for us every day as well. We're reminded throughout the prayer. And together we look forward to the future day that we know is coming. This meal also pictures the marriage supper of the lamb at his glorious return. Now the grace that's renewed in us, it's a freely given gift of God. We are undeserving, and yet it's effective through the Holy Spirit and through the promise of his word. We're perhaps best reminded of this when we pray to the Father to give us today our daily bread. And today we partake in an aspect of that. Here at New Life, we're endeavoring to celebrate the communion on the first Sunday of each month, today being the first Sunday of May. But I encourage you, as we continue to do this monthly, don't allow this to become just a routine exercise, but let it be a time of receiving grace together through appreciating and understanding the rich meaning of what you participate in. I'm gonna to read to you from 1 Corinthians 11. You can follow along on screen. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. As you hear in God's word, and just like the prayer from Matthew 6, the communion is for those that can call God Father, those that are followers of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, please do not partake in the communion. Uh, We don't mean to be mean and excluding you or anything like that, but we don't want you to drink judgment upon yourself. If, however, through the service today, you recognize Jesus as Savior and call God your Father, And we invite you into the family of God together to partake together with us and ask that you'll also make yourself known uh, to us, to the Sunday team at the conclusion of the service. For followers of Jesus, the communion is for those who are not under current church discipline, for those who are not living in unrepentant sin. So the command is to examine yourselves before coming forward to receive the communion. But if you live in repentance and by faith, in the grace of God, then by all means come forward to receive the communion with us. I'm gonna invite the ministry directors to come forward and they'll be at the front of each aisle. Uh, There'll be two here as well. Um, And as we prepare for this, uh, we ask that you you spend a moment to pray, you spend a moment examining yourself, and then afterwards come forward as soon as you're ready to receive the communion and then take it back to your seats, wait for everyone to be served, and then we'll take the communion together. If you're in the parents' room on the side, you don't have to feel that you have to come this way. We'll have a ministry director that's roaming around to offer the communion in the parents' room as well. So why don't we take a moment to pray, and then you can come forward to take the communion.